0: Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed End Fund Association and available on our website at www.cefa.com. Today we are joined again by Tom Rosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitive Liver and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom.
1: Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you.
0: Tom, you recently published your report for September 2021, which covers over 600 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in the third quarter, and what was the impact on closed-end funds?
1: Well, I I think we all know it was kind of a, a dismal third quarter, but it wasn't really all that bad. I mean, the Dow and the NASDAQ witnessed its first quarterly decline since Q1 2020. And we all know that was right when the virus and lockdown happened, and we saw 14%, 15%, 16% declines for the quarter. But this quarter, the Dow was down just 1.91% for the quarter, while the NASDAQ was down just 0.38%. So we know most of the carnage actually occurred in September. And really, July and August were really pretty banner months. They weren't great, but you know we were writing about and talking about new records set by the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P, and they kind of just swapped back and forth as people started turning on or turning off their stay-at-home stocks or, you know, going after, you know, some of the uh, more value-oriented plays and the like. But overall, if we take a look at it, the average closed-end fund that's on the equity side was down just 0.10% for Q3, and the average fixed-income closed-end fund was actually up 0.49%, so it was really pretty good. However, if we take a look at it, the rise in COVID-19, you know, the lower than expected August non-farm payroll report, supply chain disruptions, you know, rising oil prices. And in fact, that's one of the big things that happened here. And also continued inflationary concern really were the roiling points for the market in September. And in fact, we saw that from an interest point perspective, we saw that the 10-year Treasury yield jumped 22 basis points, which is a lot—a very large number, to 1.52%. And, you know, back to oil and gas prices, we saw that near-month crude oil futures actually rose 9.53% for the quarter and finished the month of September out at $70.03 per barrel. So there was a lot of things going on. It wasn't as bad as people thought. We did see some negative returns. though.
0: Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month of September and which sectors struggled?
1: Well, let's get an idea. First of all, I always give a kind of a, a macro group so we can kind of get an understanding of kind of where the numbers came from. So equity closed-end funds overall, on average, suffered a 1.64% loss in September. It is their first monthly loss in 11 that's a pretty big statement State Fixed income funds, on the other hand, lost about 0.39%, so not a big number for September, but it was also their first loss in seven months as well. So taking a look at that and breaking it down a little bit more, we take a look at the equity side of the arena. Only 31% of all equity closed-in funds actually posted plus side returns. On the mixed asset side, we saw, and they did the best by the way, about a 0.86% loss. So they mitigated losses better than the other macro groups in our equity universe. Domestic equity funds were down about 1.38%, while world equity funds actually took it a little bit on the chin, 3.17. I think everybody knows that the Evergrande uh, issue out of China really roiled the markets at the end. And so we can kind of attribute some of that to some of the foreign issues that are going on. But also just what I was talking about before, you know, increased inflation, supply chain problems, you know, and, and then like now on the fixed income side, 38% so a little bit higher number of the funds actually saw plus high performance, but again, it's a very low number. And we saw that taxable domestic fixed income funds were actually up 0.24% for the month, but muni bond funds, they were down 1.19%. World bond funds were down 1.23%. And now to your question, and sorry to have belabored this so long. Energy Master Limited Partnership, remember, we had a great bump in oil futures and the like. Basically, Energy Master Limited Partnership funds saw for the first month in three, a top performer, 3.26%. Natural resources funds saw 2.84% rise for September. And then real estate funds were the next best performer, only 0.24%, but still on the positive side. Now on the bottom side. Utility closed in funds, took it on the chin, down 5.64%, and developed market funds lost about 3.87%. Now, looking at the fixed income side of the arena, we take a look. Loan participation funds, as we'd anticipate, you know, if we expect uh, the Fed to raise interest rates, and certainly the Fed has been hinting not only are they uh, talking about getting rid of some of their easy money, they're going to stop buying bonds, which they've been using for some liquidity purposes, but they've also made some statements that they think that they're going to raise interest rates possibly as early as 2022. Loan participation funds actually were the best performer first time, first month in eight. They were up 0.71%. General bond funds, they grew about 0.35%. And high yield closed end funds, investors looked for yield, was up 0.17%. On the bottom side, though, we saw emerging market hard currency debt funds lose about 2.94%. And high yield muni bond funds, munis now, down 1.34%. And this is something that I've brought up on the call before. For the second month in a row, the municipal bond fund groups witnessed downside performance of the second month in a row they've done that and all nine classifications were in the red this month.
0: Is this a change from what you saw earlier in the third quarter?
1: it is uh, you know again we have first of all seen you know the the performance from let's say uh, i was talking about energy master limited partnerships and and natural resources they were not doing all that well before we saw that rotation from the prior month uh, you know people were still playing in the growth and tech areas that didn't fare as well as uh, in september and investors turned their backs on international issues which again if we had talked you know uh, in july august we would have talked about actually some the flight towards international issues. Now, the only two groups that did pretty well during this time on the international side were Japan and India, and they both had some special reasons that they did well. But overall, there was a change. And again, it, it might have something to do with the rotation that we've been talking about, but I think a lot of investors are thinking that the market is pretty dear. And so they're very cautious on the equity side. And of course, with rising interest rates, they're a little bit on the concerned side for fixed income. So it's a little bit of a wait and see right now.
0: Do you expect these trends to continue into October and the remainder of the year?
1: I do, and and I think there's a number of issues that are out there. You know, first of all, we have uh, the debt ceiling issue that Congress can't seem to really make a decision on. I know they're getting close right now. Um, also, we've been talking about the idea of raising debt. There's the infrastructure debt out there for about a trillion dollars, a little bit over, and there's some other uh, debt uh, or another financing pieces that they want to put through, that Congress wants to put through, I'm talking about $3.5 trillion additional. So I think investors are a little bit concerned on where this money is going to come from eventually so that could be higher taxes and and the like. So I do believe that we're going to continue on with this uncertainty. You know, we have in the short run the supply chain disruptions in both oil and gas. We hear that Russia came out recently and said, hey, listen, we're going to try to get as much gas out there and and make the continent of Europe a little bit safer for the winter and the like. So I, I think that's easing some of those complaints and some of those issues. But really with the Fed probably going to be less accommodative. I think you're going to see an increase in volatility until we figure out where those chips, Are going to actually fall.
0: The way closed end funds trade in relation to their net asset value is an important consideration for many investors. Did you see any specific trends in premium discount behavior for September?
1: We did. And actually, uh, we saw a slight widening of discounts from August to September. And, And just want to say, August was. Some of the lowest discounts that we have seen in multiple years. I've looked back five, six, seven years. I didn't go back farther. We haven't seen discounts in that area. But let's talk about September. If we take a look at all funds, all closed-in funds, I don't care if it's equity or fixed income, the median discount actually widened 82 basis points to 2.40%. That is really low. Equity funds, they saw widening as well, about 211 basis points this month to 6.11%. And then we saw fixed income funds basically at 1.58%. They widened by about 63 basis points. So this is you know, a pretty big change. And let me just give you an example. August, which, again, is some of the lowest we've seen. For August, all funds were 1.58% discount. Equity funds were at a 4% discount. And fixed income funds were at a 0.95% discount. So this was a big change
0: how do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages
1: well this is kind of the unique piece well one of the things that i was talking about is the discount we saw fixed income we haven't seen it for a while well on august 31st we saw that the Muni bond fund group, again, this is a kind of a macro group we put together, we put all the munis together. They were actually at a median premium, which we haven't talked about in a long time, at 0.44% premium. So that was quite a difference. But if we put it in perspective, so all equity, or yeah, all funds, not just equity, all funds out there, all closed in funds traded on 10:30, 2020. So this is you know actually a year ago at 10.01% discount only 54 funds traded at a premium territory. Now, if we look at the most recent time period, 2.39% and actually it's 2.40% if I round up, but 151 funds, almost three times the amount that we saw in October, of twenty twenty are trading in pre territory, so these type of trends are actually uh, quite amazing as far as the rotation we 've seen and a lot of people use this as maybe, maybe a contrarian indicator uh, with the numbers going from ten percent the highest we 've seen in the last thirteen months to 2%. And again, last month, it was actually Uh, 1.58%. Some people might say that that might be indicative that uh, we could be in for a correction. Now, it doesn't mean that's going to be a big correction or 5% or 10%. I'm not saying that. But usually, when we see discounts this low or premium territory being attained by that many funds, that there could be a change in our near future.
0: Which sector saw the greatest change?
1: Well, we saw that national munis saw the greatest widening. They actually moved 184 basis points to 1.40% discount still really, really low. Now, if you remember what I was just saying about the munis being in in discount territory, again, they're at 1.40, but they changed 184 basis points uh, this month. So yeah, that was the group that was actually in uh, premium territory on a median discount or median premium basis. World income funds, though, saw the largest narrowing of discounts, 57 basis points to 0.89%. So again, very low.
0: Tom, equity markets were more volatile ending the third quarter. Economic growth has been good and interest rates remain low, but there are concerns about inflation and issues with global supply chains. Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages, and how do you see the direction of the markets?
1: So... This is an interesting area, and I think uh, everybody's looking towards the sage uh, out of Omaha and the rest of the people to look for direction because, again, people believe that the market is pretty dear, dearly priced, so we're at all all-time highs. Yes, we've let a lot off some steam uh, for Q3, but again, if we've all looked at the market, it's all come back pretty strongly. Uh, you know, obviously we saw some disappointing uh, non-farm payroll numbers today, but if we take a look at it, there are some areas that may benefit that really got clobbered here recently. Utility closed-end funds, they were down in September 5.64%. That said... They're up 7.64% year-to-date so far. So, uh, you know, is there room? Emerging market funds. Again, this is some of those areas that people say, listen, if oil and gas can start going, if we start getting, uh, you know, rid of those supply-side issues that are out there so we don't have so much constraint of throughput coming through, emerging markets could do better. They're down 2.58% for September. They're up 7.41% year to date Develop market funds, I actually uh, took a little bit of a uh, – took it on the chin uh, this uh, this month, down 3.87. Again, they're up 7.19. So that's where people are pretty concerned. If you say, listen, they were fairly priced, you know, they just got knocked around this last month, those could be some opportunities. Obviously, emerging market debt funds, this is an area where we actually are seeing in September down through 2.94%, but in negative territory year-to-date, 0.43. So those are not a fade to heart. They could probably take a look at emerging market debt funds as well. But one of the areas I think that most people have been looking at, and this is an area that's already pretty pricey as well, is loan participation funds. If we believe inflation is going to rear its ugly head, and we believe that it's going to cause a reset in interest rates, certainly we believe that loan participation still could be a place to play in. That said, Q3, it's up 1.54%, and for the year-to-date time period, it is up 7.24%. So again, this is not something that's cheap. One thing we can all look forward to, though, is at the end of the year, Q4, it literally happens in December usually, is that we are going to see some tax loss harvesting. There is a lot of profit out there, and I have a feeling that there are going to be some people you know, either selling the distribution or actually taking losses where they can to offset the gains that they've had. So we may see some opportunity at year end and December, early January to actually witness some of that selling and maybe go on and buy some pretty good deals out there.
0: Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed in the third quarter of 2021?
1: So the third quarter was actually pretty good. Last time we chatted, uh, you know, at the end of June, early part of July, you know, I I said that the interval funds actually did not do that well against their conventional closed-end funds. This quarter, though, that's not the case. Real estate funds, if we take a look at it, they're about, 34 interval funds and only nine conventional funds in that space, so I do wanna make that pretty clear. But 5.30% positive return for real estate funds in that three-month period of time versus just a 0.27% return for the conventional closed-end funds. We saw the same thing, not quite as drastic. For general bond funds, the average interval fund was up about 1.83%, while the conventional closed-end fund was only up about 097 not too bad. And then one of the areas that we saw that there was a little bit of disappointment is one area that I had just cited. And this is where we see the most equal number of funds out there for interval funds and conventional closed-end funds, 29 interval funds, 26 closed-end funds that are from the traditional side, if you want to call it that, we saw that the conventional funds actually outperformed about 1.83% versus 1.28%. And the last piece is the income-preferred stock category. They did score very well. The interval funds had a positive return, 1.65% versus 1.5. percent nine percent so they actually did pretty good and the reason i kind of hummed at the beginning of this is uh, for the month of september of the top five uh, in both equity and fixed income that i usually cite in my report three at least three uh, of the top performers were actually interval funds in both the equity and fixed income review that i show
0: what asset classes or investment strategies do you believe offer the most interesting opportunities for interval fund investors in the current market
1: so this is, again, one of those things, if, if you believe that the markets are truly dear and, and like – but you keep in mind, we have had uh, some really good uh, numbers in real estate. That said, real estate has actually had some pretty strong returns here recently. One of the nice things that I think you can take a look at when you're looking at the interval funds is they don't have selling pressure. So if there are some pieces where they have to sell some of their winners – uh, you offset some of those losers and the like, they don't really have to worry about that because they really are closed. They don't have to worry about going out there. And uh, they do have to mark the market, obviously, and they, and they do do that. But they don't have to worry about, you know, uh, suffering any selling pressures. So if they find some widows and orphans securities that they can find that, that are just really not being, you know, bought up by, let's say, certain groups, whether it be higher quality or lower quality in the debt issue, general bond funds uh, might be a category as well that the interval fund can actually do better in. And then the last piece, again, while they underperform slightly, Loan Participation Funds, there's an equal split there as far as offerings. Those are certainly, uh, I think, uh, an area where if you're looking for those type of interest rates that reset because interest rates are rising, it's not going to cause you to lose money on that. Certainly, Loan Participation Funds are something to consider.
0: Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Diane, thanks for having me. Great to be with you guys.
0: And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights Podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.sefa.com.